you podcast listeners, and welcome back to the Carry On Cast at Easter Lutheran Church. My name is Pastor Brandon, and I'm joined today by... Pastor Megan! Hey, everybody! It is the Pastor Megan and Pastor Brandon show. I know! Where is that Pastor Steve dude? Come on, man! He. The last time I heard from him, he said, unless I start using deodorant... He's not coming to podcast anymore. Is is that what he told you? Because it's, it's it had much more to do. Don't worry about it. Don't worry yeah. about it. It's fine. Uh, no, Pastor Steve is is totally <laughs> excused. It's totally cool. Um, but we do miss him. We were just talking mm-hmm. about how. Um, gosh, you you ask Pastor Steve about a little bit of context for a story, and mm-hmm. forty minutes later. You, yeah. You've just started. So, hey, look forward to yeah. that when he comes and, back. And sometimes it's even about the this, this story we're talking about. <laughs> and that's always helpful. And you know that neither of us, neither you nor I, <laughs> Pastor Brandon, ever have any trouble staying on track. That's right. So, so it's, yeah. I, don't, I don't identify with that Correct. at all. Correct. What were we doing again? I don't, what Sunday are we on? It's Palm Sunday. What? Where we wow. celebrate the triumphal entry of Jesus into Jerusalem, which in John's Gospel... This Jesus enters Jerusalem three times. Right. Spoiler alert: This is the last time <laughs> he's entering Jerusalem. <laughs> but so, Pastor Megan, uh, the the movement in worship is a little different this this because it's Palm Sunday. So we actually have two gospel readings. Can you talk us through the processional? Right, gospel? right. So in a um, kind of a liturgical observation of a Palm Sunday worship, you'd start with what's known as like the re- the, the processional gospel, where you read the story of the triumphal entry, which is where Jesus enters the city of Jerusalem and people gather around and they celebrate and they cheer and they wave palm branches and they lay their cloaks on the ground before him, depending on which version of the gospel you're reading Mm -hmm, from. mm -hmm. So it's that really celebratory, really joyous. uh, I I remember being a kid and Mm. looking forward to Palm Sunday like every year, right? Because we would stand and we would sing and you got a palm branch, which is so cool, especially when you're from rural Northwestern Minnesota and things will not be green for at least another month and a Mm -hmm, half. So mm -hmm. to get an exotic palm branch to wave around in church, man, that's good stuff right there. So that's how the worship service starts mm-hmm. um and it's it's this uh kind of this reenactment of, of jesus entering Ju- jerusalem to the celebration and praise of the crowds now in john in particular you'll you'll see in that reading that uh the crowds who saw jesus raise lazarus from the dead are the ones who have kind of followed along with him yeah. as they get to jerusalem so in john those crowds have a really clear sense of what jesus power is like and they're super hyped mm-hmm. so that's 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 the way John's gospel works. It's not the same in, in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. But listeners, by now, you should know that that's the case, that John does yeah. things a little bit differently. Yeah. And uh, listeners, quick question for you. What does the palm branch mean to you? Um, and I asked that question because growing up, you know, we our, our church was on a budget smaller budget and so we got the palm spear oh the 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 the, the frond not the branch yeah. yes mm-hmm. um and so which worked really well for three boys for sword fighting oh, during the service oh boy but what does that palm branch or that's um piece <laughs> mean to you because um it's really interesting because they're kind of two 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 things kind of converging here and one is i believe from the festival of booths is the tradition of celebrating arriving in the promised land being freed from slavery in egypt and that big journey that came and then palm branches 
um, were used, you know, to cover all the different booths for this big festival and celebration where they remember God saving the people from slavery in Egypt. So we've got kind of, there's some palm branches there. But then also in the culture of the, remember, we're in the Roman Empire here, is that uh, the palm branch was also kind of a sign of victory that you would come out and greet maybe a king or general uh, processing their army after a great victory back into town, and you'd wave those palm branches. So there's kind of these two different cultures and views of the palm branch colliding, and and I think they both fit well right? with what Jesus is up to. Well, and even what the crowd yells at Jesus <gasps> when he comes in, yeah. and they say, you know, Hosanna, which is, you can translate that many ways. It might be like... Um, like, save us. Like, hey, you've come to save us, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord, the King of Israel. Mm -hmm. And Rome should be losing its mind about Mm -hmm. anyone using king language to anyone other than the emperor. Um, Because he was really careful to make sure that any amount of leadership, any amount of power, any kingship, any claim of even... um, like being the son of God, that's that's the that's the emperor's title. That's mm-hmm. how he derives his power. He is he is practically a god. He is himself the son of God. So for people to give those titles to Jesus, that's um, man, that's insurrection. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. so this crowd using like you're talking about this kind of combination of religious and uh, and kind of state symbols in praise of Jesus. Uh, whoa! It should be making people. Very, very nervous, mm-hmm. and indeed it does. Alert the guards. Alert the guards. Yeah, so, big so, time. And so we have Jesus has entered, is entering Jerusalem, and then we actually, that's in, in chapter 12. And Correct. The next reading in worship is all the way in chapter 19. So in between 12 and 19 are all the things we've been preaching about. <laughs> For the whole past, like, month and a half. Yep, pretty yeah, much. <laughs> we get, you know, Jesus washes his disciples' feet. Mm-hmm. Um Jesus promises the Holy Spirit. Jesus mm-hmm. says he's the true vine. Mm-hmm. And it's really interesting because I think we've talked about this as like the Minnesota goodbye. The long goodbye. Yeah, yeah. it's like Jesus just essentially prepping his disciples for his departure. Right. Right. Um, and all different stages. And, you know, if you've seen the wonderful children's message that Jennifer Pelican did about oh, how memorable. many different steps there are to the Minnesota goodbye, that, you know, this is Jesus, you know, slapping his knees and saying, whew, I really should be get going soon. Well, let me let me get your coat then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so sure. then and then we've got Jesus arrested. And now, um, that and it's and it's important to note that, like, mm-hmm. as we've been hearing in these in these readings these past weeks, that that what gets Jesus arrested is indeed that that threat of insurrection, mm-hmm. right? That mm-hmm. it's Jesus's challenge to empire that causes this conflict. And I know you're saying, wait, but I thought it was the religious authorities who got Jesus arrested. Well, yes, except that they didn't have any real cause or means to to arrest or punish him, they had to present him as a threat to the political establishment Mm -hmm. and use that to get rid of him. And if I want to be really gracious, and sometimes I do, um, if you were a religious leader of the time in Jerusalem, if you really did think Mm. a political insurrection was building, you knew that Rome would flatten you. You knew that you could not stand up to that. And indeed, not many years after Indeed, Rome does flatten them. The, the temple is destroyed. Um, it's it's mm. it's awful. It's it's apocalyptic, basic. So it's not it's not that the Jewish leaders are are just mad that Jesus is getting all the attention. 
um, they're they're legitimately afraid. So yeah. so if they're presenting Jesus as a threat to to the Roman authority, um, it's because they think there might be an actual hmm. life and death cost. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So if I'm feeling gracious, I say, well, it's not just that they were jealous; it's that they really were trying to protect themselves and their people. Mm, that is gracious. You're far less judgmental than me today. Um, I am maybe. <laughs> and so, and, and this is all the buildup for today's yes, reading because yes. um, so Pontius Pilate has to have Jesus crucified; otherwise, the religious leaders are going to start an uprising because uh, they didn't get what they wanted. And and Pilate knows that not just his job, but his head is on the line um, if he lets something like that get out of hand. So his his hands are kind of tied. Yeah, they are. Uh, and speaking of having your hands tied. Oh, boy. Um, Jesus has been flogged. Yes. And now <laughs> we start today's reading. Oh. Wasn't it's a, a hard segue? break. It's a hard break, man. Because it, and this is this is another thing I, I remember as a kid. Because I remember starting Palm Sunday worship with the triumphal entry and the waving the mm-hmm. palm branches mm-hmm. and singing all glory, laud and honor. To, I mean, fun, woo, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And then the service continues, and you get to the reading of the Passion story, mm-hmm. and. Within like 30 minutes, the whole mood changes, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. You go from like the highest highs to the lowest lows. Yeah. And I can remember being a kid and being literally in tears because we went from celebrating, praising Jesus to, oh my gosh, they're going to kill him, right? And like yeah. I'm sitting here hearing it happen. And so, so friends, if you hear, if you feel this really tough transition from waving palm branches to shouting crucify him, you're, mm-hmm. you're supposed to feel that. That's yeah. how it, that's how it. That's how it feels. Yeah. Whew. So for the sake of our podcast, mm. if you're listening to this on your own or with others, I, you know, just to set the mood, I invite you, if the lights are on, turn the lights down, mm. uh, close your eyes and just kind of picture this scene because our reading is from John 19, verse 16b through 22. And 16b means the second half of the verse because it's kind of right on the break of the story. So beginning with 16b. So they took Jesus and carrying the cross by himself, he went out to what is called the place of the skull, which in Hebrew is called Golgotha. There they crucified him and with him two others, one on either side, with Jesus between them. Pilate also had an inscription written and put on the cross. It read, Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. Many of the Jews read this inscription because the place where Jesus was crucified was near the city, and it was written in Hebrew, in Latin, and in Greek. Then the chief priests of the Jews said to Pilate, Do not write the king of the Jews, but this man said, I am the king of the Jews. Pilate answered, What I have written, I have written. Hmm. Oof. It's tough. That is tough. And we will hear pieces of this story of Jesus' crucifixion throughout the rest of Holy Week here. We'll hear it on Maundy Thursday. Um, In varying ways, depending on which service you come to, you'll hear it on Good Friday as well. Um, And it's difficult. Mm -hmm. It's hard. Now, I want to share. So the the first thing that I notice about this reading is how um, in John's Gospel, it starts Jesus carrying the cross by himself. Mm Mm-hmm. So there, there are no others from the crowd who jump out to help Jesus after he's so weak after being flogged. So there's a different account, but mm-hmm. I, 
it, it's really interesting to think about, well, what's, what's John trying to tell us or have us imagine about Jesus in this sense? And so when Jesus is carries the cross by himself, um, Dr. Caroline Lewis says, you know, that's p- perhaps one of the motifs in John's gospel is that Jesus is in control, is that mm. Jesus is the one. Uh, Jesus, you know, he doesn't fight back against Pontius Pilate. He doesn't make an argument. He just kind of owns what's happening and almost marches to the cross. And in the after the triumphal entry at the end of John 12, you know, I think Jesus, let me find it really quick. Here. Oh, no. Jesus says in John chapter 18, forgive me, after Jesus is arrested, he tells Simon Peter to put your sword back into its sheath. Am I not to drink the cup that the Father has given me? Mm. So quit, quit trying to... St- prevent this from happening this is in john's gospel the reason jesus is here is to go through all of these things um, for the sake of each one of us now so he's by himself and i think you know hopefully that brings you some comfort this this idea or this motif of jesus is in control right and that this is even though everything looks to not be as it should be. This actually is as it should be. It's like we've talked about before that that in John's gospel, when Jesus dies is is right when the Passover lamb would have been slaughtered. So the timing's mm. a tiny bit different in John than it is in the synoptic gospels because the gospel of John is trying to make the point, this is what it should be. This is yeah. this is what it meant to be. So this is this is how even though everything seems you know, most full of shadow and doubt that that God is working through this exactly as it needs to, mm-hmm. um, which is in a very strange way really comforting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I want to say one more thing about oh, Jesus carrying the cross I alone wish you would. before we jump into you know which word or phrase or part of this kind of grabs Pastor Megan's attention. Mm. Carrying the cross by himself, I think you know we have this parade at the beginning of worship and everybody's excited for Jesus and then they all abandon him. Yeah. Right? When the and and so I think it, it's it's not lost on me, you know, Judas is gone. He's betrayed Jesus. He's left the fold. Simon Peter's denied Jesus. Where's everybody else? Right? Right? Right. And so Jesus is there by himself. Are they watching from a distance? Are they lining the streets wondering what might be happening to for them? Um but at the same time, it's not lost on me that um, you know, I like to think I would be heroic, yeah. right? And then I would jump out and I'd say, "No, you know, don't. You've got the ro- you're, you're doing the wrong thing, and risk mm-hmm. my own life for mm-hmm. Jesus." And the reality is, I think when the going gets tough, when things don't go the way I had hoped or planned, I'm pretty quick to abandon Jesus too. I, and I and I think that's the reality. I, I think that's one of the sort of backwards comforts of this story is as you read down a few more verses from our reading for today, we hear that, you know, standing near the cross of Jesus were his mother. Okay, Mm. his mom hung in there. Like, that's a mother's love right there. His mother's sister, Mm -hmm. Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. So there's these, Mm. depending on how you read the the breaks in the phrasing, Mm -hmm. there's like these four women. And then Jesus saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved. So this one other Mm -hmm. disciple, probably a dude, but we don't know. Yeah. So of all the people who followed him, 
of all the crowds that followed him, of all the disciples who walked with him for years, in and out of Jerusalem, declare, oh, we'll face death Mm -hmm, if we go mm -hmm. back in Jerusalem. We're there with you, Jesus. There's like five. Five left. There's like five left. Mm. So it's not comforting, but it is comforting (laughs) to know that even our scripture says, honestly, when it comes down to it, most of us go into hiding too. Ooh. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome for that real so, Debbie Downer of a realization. So, so uh, Debbie, <laughs> yep, uh, what sticks out to you from the, the <laughs> remainder of this story? You know, I, I really honed in on just one word. Yeah, but I like that. I, I like, too, this little testy exchange between, <laughs> between Pilate and the religious authorities, mm-hmm. right? This quibble over what to put on the sign above the mm-hmm, dying man. Mm-hmm. Like... That's what we're gonna. That's what we're gonna fight about right now. Like whether the sign says the King of the Jews or he said he was the King. Right. Come on, and it's it. It kind of just points to. Here's Jesus just caught up in this system of mm. of backstabbing and political intrigue, and and as we established earlier in the podcast, listen, right? Remember, we know that Jesus is walking this path. We know that he is the one in control, and yet to watch the scene around him be all this backstabbing and and infighting and well say say he said he was the king of the jews mm-hmm. oh so much pettiness and i anytime i see something like that in our scripture i'm always reminded like oh this is this is human nature mm-hmm. and this is mm-hmm. this is the mirror being held up humans to us. are the worst we're the worst man <laughs> we're just terrible to each other and and i'm i'm sure i should try to explain it away or pretend I'm offended mm. by it. Um, but in some ways, it's kind of heartening to me mm. to know that here the, the Son of God is dying on the cross. People are, are grieving the impending death of their, of their beloved teacher, and people are fighting about what they put on a sign. Right, right. As that's what humans do. And so in, in my darkest moments, I can remember – it's, it's it's not that like I'm a bad person or you're a bad mm. person. I mean, we're all kind of bad people. It's fine, but this is just what this is just what humans do. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I I want to so two quick remarks because I think too um, it's it's not lost on me that in the midst of you know our brothers and sisters from Ukraine being forced from their homes after bombing from Russia, mm. our first instinct in America is to argue if it was Biden or Trump who caused it. <sighs> Right. 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 Rather than actually say, hey, there's people who need help. Yeah. F- families are, are suffering. People are dying. Yeah. Yeah. But who's, whose fault can I point this at? Right. And, and that's kind of the yeah. politics are, are, are right here in this, in this story. There is, um, and I love, here's what I love about it, um, is that Pilate, I'm, I'm warming up to Pilate. You know, oh, yeah. he's kind. It kind of seems like he's on Jesus' side. He's, he's I mean, not, he had he's him not, crucified. He's but. not against <laughs> Jesus. I mean, he's that kind of classic politician, right? Like he's trying to figure out how can I play this. Like, yeah. how does this keep me from losing power? Yeah, I'd, I get that. And I and I love that the sign. So it, it says the sign was in Hebrew, in Latin, and in Greek. Yep. And Dr. Caroline Lewis, and you probably wonder why I refer to her so much. It's because I'm, really, I'm reading her commentary. Say, she's got a really good book on the Gospel of John. Um, That's why. Points out that these were like kind of the, the three big languages at the time that would have represented the world to these people. Um, that anybody who walked by who knew how to read would be able to read that sign. And um, this brings us back to, interestingly, 
John 3.16, our favorite verse to hold up in touchdown end zones. That's right. For God so loved the world. The whole world. That God gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. So we kind of come full circle here with this right. little sign. Right, right. And, and even as people are quibbling over what the sign says, the, the reminder that Jesus still goes to the cross, mm. even for them, yeah. even in their pettiness, even in their heartlessness, even in their full absorption with, with the political nature and no concern for the, for the human life at mm. stake, mm. that Jesus still dies for them. I love that. Yeah, even even in the midst of our petty squabbles that are ridiculous mm. and stupid and pointless, yep. Jesus is still going to do what needs to get done. And and praise God for that. Well, podcast listeners, we hope um, you've enjoyed this journey to the cross with us here this <laughs> this day. It's hard stuff, friends, <laughs> but keep walking with us. Get through get through Monday, Thursday, and Good Friday with us. We, Easter is coming, but we've got stuff to do first. Yes, and speaking of stuff to do first, real quick, uh, Monday, Thursday worship is at 6.30 p.m. at each of our locations. That is correct, and they're both, uh, at mo- they're both first communion services. So even mm-hmm. if you don't have a student celebrating their first communion, please come to hear the story and to see these young people receive communion Celebrate for the first together. time. Such a, yeah. a hope and a joy. And Good Friday worship services. Uh, we actually have 10 o'clock in the morning at Easter by the Lake, our Good Friday crosswalk. That's right. And then at 5 o'clock at the lake. At the lake. And an 8 o'clock tenebrae service at the hill. Yes. So lots of options for your Good Friday, whatever yeah. works well with your schedule and, and how you want to mark that day. We've got lots yeah. of great options and for you. And speaking of schedule, Easter Ooh. Sunday, join Ooh. us at 8.30, 9.45, or 11 in the morning at the hill or the lake. Same and that, time, both sites. That 11 o'clock service does have communion. Correct. And also no our service will be online, too. That's right. Yeah. yeah. So you can join us online as well. Whatever works best for you, friends. We just really look forward to worshiping with you this Holy Week and Easter Sunday. As we go in faith and carry on the work of Jesus Christ. May the road rise up to meet you.